0: Hi, and welcome to Think Tank. Ahead of our third season of podcasts talking to experts in their industry, this and upcoming editions of this podcast are focused on advice for the small business owner. In this edition, I'm going to talk about what business owners are doing at the moment that's actually saving their livelihoods. And we'll look back at some of the contributions from previous guests too. If you're struggling as a business owner right now, and lots are, this may be the perfect podcast for you. First of all, I just need to say that the information that we're giving here is general advice. If you're looking for industry-specific information for your business, there's lots of forums and advice services that are regional. In Wales, for instance, we've got Business Wales, which I mentor for occasionally. You can also get in touch with me if you need more specific information, and I'm happy to have a chat directly if needed. So first of all, if you're a retail business and you've been forced to close down, it's not the end of the world, although it probably does feel like it right now. The government are firstly giving out grants, as well as making furlough available to directors and other similar schemes for the self-employed. There's likely to be more on the way too, as this virus seems to be hanging around, but you probably know all of that too. However, if you're like most directors, you take your basic wage and top it up with a dividend. The grants and furlough that your company gets isn't touching the sides, and you need to pivot. Pivoting your business sounds great, but it really depends on your industry. If you're a pub, you can't exactly turn your hand to medical advice, although you'll probably get enough of that from what you see on the online advice givers anyway. But if you're a pub, the chances are you're in the center of your village, your town or an area. So you're in a perfect position to, offer, uh, to host other small businesses to work from your pub. Having some socially distanced desks within the building may be a great way of getting some small income dripping through. Plus, if you have the space, it'd be great to team up with other businesses from neighbouring areas and offer to have their stock based at your pub. So when orders come in for click and collect purchases for them, you're the ones that the consumer's heading to in order to collect their items. This works really well for fruit and veg stockists. Sending their produce to a local pub and offering a click and collect service from lots of local pubs is a great way to involve the community and reduces the time that people are in large supermarkets. Now specifically with Click & Collect, it's a growing market and if you ask me, it's here to stay. If you've got a website, it's time to download a Click & Collect service from a software company that could get your stock online. It doesn't have to be fancy and if you want to split the cost with other retailers in your street, all the better. Once you have a website that hosts your products, you can drive all of your customers' attention there. Use social media as well as your shop window to push people onto your website. If they're coming to you anyway, the chances are they'll still come to your online store. I know there's a stay-at-home rule in Wales and the UK at the moment, but if these people are passing your store anyway and see your click-and-collect sign, why not have a touchscreen tablet in their window so that you can place and take an order online straight away, there and then. Just make sure you ask them to clean or sanitise the window or their hands when they're done just to make sure that you're fully compliant. Then there's the home delivery service. People have furloughed, they're bored at the moment and they're uncertain about their future. Why don't you help satisfy both their needs and yours by putting an advert out to help deliver your stock to people who've ordered it online? That way you're pushing out your products to a wider audience and freeing up your click and collect slots and providing someone with a real possibility of employment once all of this is over. Actually it could even help drive them into self-employment and help multiple businesses by being the delivery service for lots of business owners. You need to be the driving force behind your business right now because as much as the government are helping you stay where you are, once this vaccine is in place there'll be no more help and you and your company will need to do your bit to repay what's been taken out of the pot. Diversifying and pushing forward now may be the difference between you and the furlough director doing nothing next door. Talking of furlough, Last year in May, I chatted with Kath Greenslade of Maisie Bolan Associates. Kath is an HR guru. Here she is dispensing some fantastic advice last year. So, Kath, HR guru, I'd imagine your word of the day in the last eight weeks has been furlough. It's been my experience that most business owners haven't even heard of her, uh, furlough until March. Are there mistakes being made as a result?
1: Well, I'd like to start first by saying most of the HR gurus hadn't heard of the word furlough either. <laughs> so when the Chancellor announced that the furlough scheme, um, we were quickly looking in the dictionaries, employment law. Nothing in employment law, nothing. What is this furlough? So the dictionary says it's a leave of absence from the armed services. Ah, okay. So, yeah, how, do, how does that work in employment law? Uh, so obviously... People started chatting and businesses had to respond immediately. So working together with uh, fellow professionals, collaborations, been actually really good. Uh, working with our environment law solicitors, our retained guys. And getting through together and advising our businesses because our clients had to move really quickly. Uh, those in hospitality and those who clean cleaning hospitality venues had to stop work immediately yeah, and they couldn't afford to pay their their employees, so they wanted to respond, not wait for the guidance. It took a, a good few weeks to come out. Mm. Uh, luckily, we were we were very fortunate. Our clients spoke to us immediately. We were able to support them and help them because it is a complex process. I think one of the mistakes that companies did make was just say, "Oh, you're on furlough leave," because what's important is that you have to get agreements with your employees. Right, you okay. can't just put somebody on furlough leave. You have to get their agreement to cease working. Right. And also to vary the terms of their employment contract. You are asking them not to receive 100% of their pay, but to receive 80% or up to a maximum of 2,500 subject to tax money. I'm mm-hmm. sure the majority of people know that off by heart. <laughs> um, so you you have to consult with your employees Ask them to cease working, explain to them why this was necessary and get their acceptance. There was a bit of panic because a lot of people hadn't got written acceptance. Now The government had said as long as you've got an audit trail, that you've had this discussion, that you sent out written confirmation, you'd be okay. Yeah. Um, time will tell. But, you know, We need to see what HMRC will do for auditing, but I'm sure everybody will be okay. But uh, yeah, it's been quite complex and very new to everybody in the
0: UK. Yeah. I've seen a few people have got the um, uh, a standard template letter, and at the bottom of the letter that they're sending out, it's got a um, just a, a little form that says, please sign and return this to accept that you're on furlough and things like that. Is that that's become a, a standard template, I'd imagine, for a lot of yes, people. Yes. Yes. It's been very,
1: you know, the, one of the early templates we sent out to our clients um it's still correct, it's still legal, it's still valid, but guidance changed every week. Uh Every Friday evening for four weeks, the guidance was changing. So those templates have um, changed and developed, but generally, as long as you've got an acceptance of, yes, I'll cease working, yes, I accept why, yes, I accept the variation to my pay, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll be fine. Great
0: some fantastic advice there from Cath. If you're not in the retail sector and you may be more in the t- hospitality or tourism industry, you're really having a tough time right now and I've got to say things are going to get better for you. Staycations are set to stay for 2021 and if confidence in travelling overseas remains low, you may even get a bumper 2022. So hang in there. If you've got an Airbnb or similar and you've hung in this long, congratulations, you have made it to the boss level and hopefully you're about to get back to usual. It's been an incredibly turbulent time for holiday homeowners and a lot of them have switched back to long-term rentals or even sold the unit. The problem with putting the uh, homeowners a long-term rental is you've got the furniture issue to consider just as a one thing. Do you take it away entirely and store it? Do you leave it for someone um, or do you leave something? Do you leave everything? And if something breaks, what happens? There's strictly no simple answer for this, but I do cover it a lot more extensively in another talk that I've done like this, so it may be worth searching through my listings for short-term holiday rentals. In terms of keeping going though, it's sometimes a good idea to get in touch with a management company. They've got a larger pool of contact and because they've got more properties to offer a client, They may be looking for properties to hand over to their clients who could be building contractors, TV companies or maintenance teams. Handing your home over to them in exchange for them taking 15% could be the difference between keeping the home as a rental or losing it to a long-term rental or losing it entirely. But it's definitely worth checking what they've got on first before you hand over the keys. Maybe ask one of their clients for feedback or take a look at the diary with them. If you're trying to refurbish your home at the moment, though, it's probably one of the best times to be doing it. The housing prices are slightly edging down in the areas that I keep track of personally, and there's a lot of people sat in short-term rentals waiting for the market to dip so they can pick up something quick. If your refurbished home is ready to go, you could end up with your home being taken by someone who thinks they're getting a fantastic deal. I've got a separate talk on finding the perfect home for refurbishing and reselling, so take a look if it's something that you're interested in. The main thing, though, is to keep your costs at an all-time low. Keep them low as possible at the moment. You need to be prepared to take a potential drop in profit if the housing market lowers and still retain a decent margin. Although your house, if it's not ready at the moment and it's open season for buyers, put it on the market anyway. Any decent agent can sell a home off-spec as long as the CAD drawings and plans are up to scratch. It's worth listing it and getting people to at least know what's there and, and potentially pick it up ready to go. I've got a chat at the moment with Jack Bjornstrom of House Interior Design and Estate Agency. We caught up with him last May. Here he is. So Jack, every business with a premises across the world is going to need to make some changes to their workspace. Let's take restaurants and pubs. How can they adapt and change to comply with the social distancing policy?
2: So I think a really good case study to look at here with restaurants and pubs are uh, what they've been doing at the moment in Sweden. Sweden never had an official lockdown of all their businesses, instead they asked people to use common sense and they asked places that would hold a lot of public people to think about how they could maybe socially distance them within their businesses. Uh, An example is a restaurant owner in Sweden who put signs on every other table in his restaurant to allow people to sit one table's width apart at all times. Um this enabled him then to start offering more takeout food. So the takeout food was a previous branch to his business that was small. He did a few sales in coffees every day, nothing huge. Now he's doing food and coffee for full takeout options um, and this is allowing him to double what he could make in a day. So initially he could only fit I think was fifty people in his restaurant and he can ser- he's serving now on average 250 people a day. Um, So, this is something that is a positive move, I think, for a lot of restaurant owners.
0: Some absolutely fantastic advice there from Jack at House Estate Agency. If you're in the service industry and you're supplying construction or similar services, you're probably absolutely inundated with work, but adding a lot of complications to your day in exchange. Getting calls as a plumber or an electrician is absolutely great. But not being able to get to your customers' homes for fear of passing on this virus is a real worry for some. To get around this, it's possible to turn to tech again. Giving advice over the phone doesn't work for electricians and plumbers. You guys tend to be visual people and you need to see the problem in order to fix it. Setting up an online store for your business might sound absolutely crazy, but it's a workable model that's being used around the world and we're just a little bit slower in the UK to pick it up. Get yourself... An online calendar with a software guide to install it for you, and you'll have your online service up and running in just a few minutes. Your clients can book an online consultation with you where they can show you the problem using the camera on their phone and then direct you can direct them to fix it. I'm not saying it's foolproof, but it's certainly a way to help get people out of a sticky spot without getting into their house. Plus, if it's something simple and you have to go there, you've diagnosed it and probably picked up the right part before you even get to the property. Best of all though, that consultation was paid for by the client. They set it up on, their web, on your website, they paid for it, they received the link to speak to you. No traveling costs, no wasted time, just a happy client at the end who actually probably feels quite empowered that they solved the problem on their own with just a few pointers from you. But if Zoom diagnosing isn't in your future it may be worth getting a YouTube page and taking a few videos on how to fix some common problems. It'll save you hours of effort by directing people there and weirdly people are more likely to buy from you again if they've seen your efforts online as they know that you know what you're talking about before they let you into their home. In other services, like cleaning, for instance, you really do have a tough time ahead. Some of of you are busier than ever with COVID cleaning and hopefully you're mopping up the extra work pun completely intended there. But for most, trade is down. Schools are partly open, leisure and hospitality are closed, and if you're like most, clients have now stopped paying, even if they're in a contract. I've got a separate discussion on approaching a client who's not paying, so it may be worth taking a look at that if you need any advice. Pivoting for a cleaning company may be a challenge right now, as without the investment in machinery to fog a venue, you're a little out in the cold. However, if you're like me, and think that fogging may be a ticking time bomb for claims solicitors, you're probably thinking for, of different ways the cleaning may be effective. For instance, fogging doesn't work on telephones, especially desk phones, because the receiver that's near your mouth is actually replaced into a plastic holder, and the fog just doesn't get in there. There's a selling point for deep cleaning services right there. Sometimes it's not just thinking about what's here and now, but thinking about what's coming up. I've got a lot of experience with cleaning companies as I owned one for the better part of a decade. And I've got uh, several separate talks on cleaning companies here too. So if you'd like more information, just take a look. Some SMEs are in the process of signing up with other companies to maximize their income potential through MLMs or franchise opportunities. I've got a lot of other talks on that topic, so take a look if that's any interest to you. Diversifying into another field that complements your existing service makes complete sense, provided it doesn't detract from your core business goals. If you're an estate agency business, for example, and you're not doing so well, you may be thinking of ways to cut costs or maximize your income, But the way to do it isn't necessarily to increase your fees. You can partner, for instance, with a utility company and if your landlord permits it, you can move the utilities to the new provider who will give you an introductory fee at the same time. You're already taking the meter readings anyway, so it's an incredibly simple and low-cost way of improving your revenue without really adding any time at all. Sticking with the estate agent example, if you've got the equipment to carry out virtual viewings but your competitors haven't, why not offer it as a separate service? It's in high demand, especially at the moment, during a time where there's less money around than usual, so people won't buy these things, and a little cooperation could work well in the long term for you. Again, using the estate agency example, if you're struggling with the outgoings, which must be high for that industry, why not become a franchisee instead? Retaining your core business but franchising to a larger entity could mean that you get increased brand recognition, a pool for marketing budgets, as well as the avenue to market your homes at a reduced cost. I'm using the estate agency as an example, but the principle works for locksmiths, legal secretaries, financial advisors, the list keeps going on. As with anything, though, the main thread of advice running through all of this is to stick to your core principles and ideas. Diversifying too far from your core never works well. There may be some short-term successes, but in the long term, you'll likely be letting something go. I should know better than anyone. I've done that a few times in the past, and thankfully, I've learned from it. So hopefully this has been of some help to you. I've got more information on this podcast, including interviews with politicians, small business owners and incredibly successful entrepreneurs. There's also my TikTok with a few random snippets of information where there's a group chat. Uh, There's a group chat on Facebook where you can ask questions with other business owners, as well as we've got our regular Twitter and Facebook pages. And there's information there about the world of the small and medium business owner. If you like this and you want us to make more content, please feel free to like, share, subscribe, whatever you need to do. And my fantastic editor, Kieran, will put me back in front of this microphone. Thanks very
1: much.